Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Note Extractions Podcast. With your host, me, Qbox, the artist, engineer, producer. I have no idea. Just whatever you want, man. Today's going to be a bit different. Um, a lot of buzz has been surrounding Holvey recently over his debut album, actually. Um, and I went ahead and went through it a couple times and gave my review. I wrote everything down and I'd like to take this episode to um, go over that review as well as talk about the state of the quote-unquote genre that is Christian hip-hop based off of this and what my perception of um, of Christian hip-hop is through this album and really any sort of mainstream artist. Um, now, I do need to remind everybody before I get started that this is purely opinion-based. It's listed on the description of the entire podcast, like the main bio, this is my opinion. So if you don't like my opinion, you don't have to listen to me. Um, this is what I got coming from as a uh, producer, an engineer, someone who doesn't really listen to Christian hip hop on a daily basis. I listen to a lot of secular stuff, although I do produce for a lot of uh, Christian hip hop artists as well as engineer for them. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean I make that, nor do I um, choose to listen to a lot of Christian hip hop. So this is coming in. This is coming from an outside perspective um, and pointing out things I've noticed through each and every track um, and the album as a whole. So there's my background to my review. Again, you don't have to listen to me if you don't like my opinion, because this is opinion based. And just click off of here. You don't like it. I don't. I don't know. But anyways, let's get started. So, Holvey dropped his debut album, Christopher, through Reach Records. I don't know which, what number Reach Records release it is, but it was published and distributed through Reach um, on all platforms. Um, and there's been there was a uh, a listening party held on r slash r slash chh on their Discord server. Um, there's a lot of people talking about it, and so I am going to go ahead and give my review. Now, when it comes to these albums, I don't have a specific rule set to determine whether or not, like, you know, what I give the rating. Uh, but one thing's for sure is I'll give it a CHH rating, and I'll give it a secular rating. For those, like you know, just for context, because I know CHH is a whole different breed of community, and artistry compared to the wide, wide ocean that is secular hip hop. Um, 
So I'll give two separate out of 10 ratings for um, one for CHH and one for Secular. All right. So starting with the first track, Can't Tell It All. Um, I could really feel like this was inspired by a lot of J. Cole. Um, I feel as if um, it was J. Cole, but Christian and whitewashed. It was very strange. Um, what I wrote down is it's also very close to Ty Brazel, um, but that would do Ty a disservice. Because uh, Ty uh, has a lot of talent, and he actually created his own sound in, uh, in CHH. Um, so I think Ty has the upper hand here when it comes to that sort of sound. So I feel like this song can't tell it all was kind of ripping off of uh ty brazel and maybe a bit of j cole um especially the j cole reference is for the use of gospel samples um and there was a beat switch that happened but i that that really wasn't what i was looking for in a first track and it did not it did not bode well for a uh leading track of the album starting off the album with it's you know here's the initial sound you're gonna hear this really didn't bode well for me. Um, but if we go to the second track, it's called Back in the Wick. Um, I I got a mix of influences here. Uh, I feel like the his lyricism was very NF inspired. The cadence, the flow of it was also NF inspired. But what's strange is that it was on a, a smoke perp type beat. Like a smoke perp... Uh, trap style like old smoke perp like if you listen to audi um or if you listen to stevie or something like that it was those type um so i i could easily point out who he was referring to or the vibes that i was catching um the third track reasons uh is interesting um i said it's basically holvey's rendition of a kb or ty brazel song um, where it's more pop influence. And the reason why I say that is because um, there's a, a female lead singer for the chorus, there's a feature, uh, and then there's the main artist. It felt like it was very scripted, or it was very... Um, goodness, what's the word? Uh, like, you know, it, it was scripted. It was supposed to be a mainstream song. You know, You know, it's like more mainstream driven not exactly soulful but more like okay we're checking off all these boxes um so lecrae be went back to an uh all things work together you know that his sound for all his album all things work together for inspiration and it really wasn't innovative i have heard the same lecrae over and over before and this uh this feature was no nothing different um, and the chorus is pretty decent and I noticed it uses a slight bit of harmony engine, which I did enjoy. I feel like the chorus was the best part. Um, I'm forgetting what her name was, uh, who was featured as the chorus, but she did a, she did a pretty splendid job. I'll give her that. So props to Holvey for that feature. That was a really good choice. Um, whether it's up to him or whether it's up to reach, I don't know. Uh, but the fourth track ninth grade, uh, it was it would be weird to call it my favorite track of the album, um, but it was it was the most pleasing to my ears. Um, it attempts indie pop sounds, kind.
kind of like Post Malone and Juice World. His vocal tone felt like he was trying to go for a Juice World sound. Um, it was the pop song of the album. You know, it was the pop song. Like every hip hop album's got to have, there's always a pop song that's the most mainstream friendly and it's the most radio friendly. Um, and then one thing I needed to point out was that the bridge uh, of that song, it really sounded like a Justin Bieber melody. Like his vocal inflections were trying to mimic that of Justin Bieber as well as the melody. It was very strange. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty decent track. Even though I know it felt really scripted again. Like, you know, when it comes to mainstream appealing songs, it's nothing I really enjoy to hear that. I don't enjoy listening to mainstream friendly songs because I know it's devoid of any sort of creative artistry or any innovation. But I do have to say it was the most pleasant song to me of the album. Um, the fifth song, Cold Nights, um, there's really not much to say about it, but it was basically Juice World but whitewashed. Nothing new, and it was an outsourced sound. When I say outsourced, I mean it was a sound that was outsourced from secular. It was taken from secular. There was nothing new. There's no new sound being created. It was just copied or mimicked off another artist, in particular, Juice World. Um... The sixth song, Where the Love Go, uh, featuring Big Breeze. Now, I have never heard of Big Breeze before this album, um, but what I got to say about the track is the beat and the, the cadence was very Lil Baby type. Uh, or not really the cadence, sorry. That was the wrong word. The beat. The beat was very Lil Baby inspired. If you'd listen, like, you'd totally feel me right there. Um... But, in my opinion, Big Breeze's feature was better than Holvey's entire chorus and verse. Big Breeze really fit the beat and actually had, like, this this flow to it. Like, he matched the track, and I'm, I was very happy to hear that. That was very pleasant. But I still didn't, I don't know, I did not like Holvey on this track. I don't think this beat was for him. I don't think he did a very good job on it. Uh, the seventh track, 912 Tappin Interlude, uh, is basically a continuation of the previous track, just useless talking. I don't know who's talking. If it's Big Breeze, I wouldn't be surprised, but it was really a useless uh, interlude. There was nothing connecting anything. There's not a story being told here. I don't know why, like, I don't know why people feel it's necessary to always include an, inter uh, an interlude in an album where it's not needed um, because so far this really feels like just a collection of songs that they made and that they cohesively brought together using the same mixing and mastering presets so I really don't feel like there's a need for this song on the album um, but then track 8 Holy Spirit uh, it's the worship song every single Christian hip hop mainstream artist on a debut album, or really any album, has to have a worship song. Now, it's I'm not applying this to all mainstream albums, because <coughs> there have been albums uh, released through Reach 
that didn't really have a worship song per se but you could tell like this is nothing new once again um it's it's disappointing because there's all like i don't know why there has to be a need to devoid yourself of any sort of lyrical content or any sort of uh creativity when it comes to talking about Jesus and praising him there's a fine line between uh glorifying Jesus in your music or just ripping from the bible and what i mean by that is it's unimpressive in my opinion to quote scripture in a song and use it as a chorus or as main lyrics and that's all you do you don't bring any sort of creative lyricism or writing to it it, it turns me off it doesn't make sense to me um, it becomes a useless track for me why did you put this on the album kind of thing it's very it's very disappointing to see that yes I can agree that having worship songs on an album can be a great um, moment of coming to Jesus or just overall praising I get that but it becomes boring it, it really doesn't re it really shouldn't be on a quote-unquote hip-hop album if you're really wanting to be a mainstream hip-hop artist and this is just without the CHH part I'm talking about hip-hop if you had like name one album out there in secular that includes a straight up worship song no matter what religion or whatever they're praising name a worship song on an album like this but even in chh i don't know why there's the need to have a worship song on an album like that you could go to hillsong for a worship song you can praise jesus in your own time you can praise jesus using your own life experiences in your lyricism easily kb did that so great on tomorrow we live tomorrow tomorrow we live was a great example um because there were mainstream uh there was more mainstream appealing sounds on there it about split half and half hip-hop like hardcore hip-hop and more pop bright influences um but you could tell he wasn't straight praising Jesus by quoting scripture. He was using his life experience and turning that into praising Jesus. And so that brought so much comfort for me listening to that because I can relate to it. It's not saying that I can't relate to the Bible. I can't relate to reading scripture. I'm talking about being lyrically talented. If you're lyrically talented, it shows, especially when you can incorporate the, the Bible like KB does. He's so impressive with that. But this song, um, Holy Spirit, was very uninspiring. Um, the ninth track, Eternal. Uh, yeah. Um, it was a very boring flow. And I feel like the lyrics are absolutely blatant. And so there's nothing beneath the surface. I feel like it was a very surface level track. Um, and it reminded me of the Justin Bieber Purpose album. And that sort of sound. We're still poppy, but 
uh, it was still lacking a bunch of lyricism. I feel like it was very, very, very surface level. Uh, if we jump to the 10th track, We Against the World, um, featuring Andy Minio. Uh, again, this is another indie pop song from the jump, and I feel like it was a bit too poppy. Uh, the melody was a straight one out of 10. I feel like this song, if you were to compare it to anything at all, you can compare the melody to a Chainsmokers melody where it only involves three notes. There's no sort of, yeah, it's catchy because it's simple type thing. Simplicity doesn't mean it's tranquil. Simplicity doesn't mean it's uh, impressive what you can do with it. Like, just, it's too simple. I feel like it came straight out of a worship song that belongs in church. I feel like there was no there was no effort put into the melody here. Um, and Andy Mino has not changed uh, at all. In fact, um, I've been disinterested in his music for quite a while now, ever since Uncomfortable, his album. Um, he's had he's had his time. I'll say that. He's had his time in the music industry. Um, I know him and Lecrae, you know, you know, they revived each other with Coming In Hot. Still their biggest track, number one on all platforms. Um, although Lecrae still is putting out projects and actually doing, I think, probably a better job at staying relevant than Andy. Um, I really think Andy was featured on this track just for the name and just because he was signed to Reach. When you sign to Reach, you're guaranteed a bigger artist's feature. That's something I've noticed throughout uh, the probably the past decade is that when you sign to Reach, you immediately get a feature from uh, a bigger Reach Records artist, whether it be like 1K Few, uh, Aha. I don't know if Aha was really a part of that, but I know like Gavi, you would get some of his production or his vocals. You would get um, an Andy Minio feature, a Lecrae feature. Um, it really like the big, just the big people, or sometimes you. If you're lucky, you'd get a Triple E feature. Uh, but at the bottom level, you'd probably get like a Tadashi or something. I don't know. Um, but I really do feel like Andy has not changed. And the interlude that happens, there's an, a, a huge Imagine Dragons influence. Now, if you know one thing about Imagine Dragons and the running joke on them is that Nickelback has handed the baton to Imagine Dragons of being the worst band in the world. And I'm not kidding. You can look this up. There are so many people who agree with me on this. Imagine Dragons is one of the worst bands to ever exist. Um, strictly because of their very focused mainstream sound. I would not consider them a rock band. They are, again, devoid of any creativity. And this interlude or bridge or something that happens within the track, We Against the World, it is very Imagine Dragons reminiscent. And that is not a compliment. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that that was that hurt 
that hurt hearing that a little bit. Um, track 11, Nothing Without Jesus, um, is the, f- the five-minute worship song, and it's all in spoken word. There may be sort of lyricism to it, but man, again, this song did not need to be on the album. It really did not. I really don't feel like there was any importance to this other than Holvey just saying um, how much he appreciates Jesus and how much he looks up to him and wants to be more like him, as any Christian should, you know. But I really feel like the relatability part of this is probably within privacy. Like, if he were to talk to me in that sort of way, uh, I would completely agree with him. But having a song like that on an album, it, it, you know, again, takes away from the creativity of the album. So I'm unimpressed. And again, throughout all this, I'm not saying Holby's not a, a good person. I know he's an amazing person. In fact, I would love to meet him because I, I respect his personality. I respect how he came up and got signed. Um, but this album... You know, I actually, hold on, I'll talk about that in a second. I got to get through one more track. Um, 12, the last track, Washed in the Blood. Um, the Rhodes keyboard, if you know what that is, or the organ, if you know what an organ is. Uh, well, the Rhodes keyboard is most commonly used in R&B and soul and very gospel music. Like very uh, black church gospel music where you're going, instead of being all upbeat, you got this very um, intricate chords, this this chord structure that you, you get um, with the smooth pad panning back and forth. Very stereotypical of this. It's a very, uh, uh, it's a very stereotypical Rhodes Closer song. Um, when it comes to a grandiose album, you want to finish it off strong, right? Go with the Rhodes keyboard. Um, and a distant choir. You know, you can't have Rhodes without a choir. And, uh, yeah. It was very, ima- like, the production was, again, very reminiscent of Imagine Dragons. Uh, and it's yet another worship song. Uh, it's the same lyrics repeated with moaning melody scats where it's just kind of a, a a praise and worship closer, right? Again, this checks off a lot of boxes for me. Like, it's, it feels like, all right, we got the Rhodes keyboard, we got the choir, and we got a bunch of, you know, I'm worshiping right now. Uh, so, and if I can't have a melody in my head, I'm going to just, like, do some random vocalizations. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for the last time, (laughs) it devoids a song of any creativity. It does not impress me that you just do random vocalizations within a song. You could be speaking tongues in a song because you're that infatuated with the love of Jesus Christ. But, man, it just... That, that gets me, man. Like, there's no, there was no innovation. There was, it was just a standard track, a standard closer, very stereotypical. Um, yeah. Uh, I have some, 
notes at the end. I feel like this debut album was kind of, in, in a, if I were to compare it to something, it would be a kids bop Christian modern rap album. There's nothing new and it's all outsourced sounds, whether it be from secular or from worship music. There was zero innovation and hardly any creativity. Now the ratings is weird uh, because I still wanted to be generous. I still wanted to be. Um, after everything that I've said, uh, if I were to compare this album with any other CHH album that I've heard, I would give it a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10 CHH is what I put. Keep in mind, this is only within the CHH sphere, mainstream or not. There have been better albums. John Keith, for instance. Uh, Honey Blonde. Good, good freaking album. Oh my goodness. Trillium 2 by Aha Gazelle. Spectacular album. If I'm talking about Hope by Drup, that album's a 10 out of 10. How can it not be? But if I were to compare it to secular music, this album would flop. This album would absolutely flop. I gave it a 4 out of 10. Generously, a 4. I could rate it a 3, but a 4 seems pretty fit for if it if this were uh targeted at strictly uh secular, it would absolutely flop. It would go nowhere. So that's it. A 6 out of 10 in CHH and a 4 out of 10 in secular. I'll be doing that sort of thing if I do more reviews like this. But uh, the point I wanted to talk about, and I got to get across with this, is no matter how I rate an album like this, this is separating the art from the artist. Holvey is a great dude. Holvey is a very respectable dude, very model Christian, especially uh, the youth, um, very respectable. I've heard so many nice things about him and how genuine he is. Uh, my boy Judo Sammy, who I reviewed, not reviewed, sorry, interviewed, um, has met him before. Um, and I, I would love to meet him. I absolutely would love to meet him. I think he is a very, he, he, he holds himself very well, very humble, um, does not flex or nothing. Uh, he just wants to make music for the Lord. And I highly encourage that. But when it comes to me reviewing an album, I have to look at it from an unbiased perspective. Now, yeah, yeah that's pretty much my opinion on this. But if I want to talk about what's going on and what, what I feel about the grand, the grand scheme of things with this album, uh, I feel like Christian hip hop in general has gotten so mainstream that they're stuck in this bubble. They've created this little bubble. All right. The only thing I could probably pull out or really, you know, uh, pull from this album is its uh, quality, uh, mixing and mastering quality. Very cohesive, felt like an album, you know, that I could take away from it. I think it deserved praise for that. I think for a debut album for a new reach artist, perfect, absolute perfect. I think I think this sort of quality coming from an album like this is, is it was deserving of praise but the actual content within was not very pleasing to me um that's where i feel we're headed here i feel like 
a lot of talent is going unrecognized, especially the youth. Um, and so a lot of people are deciding to go their own way, myself included, uh, because CHH is not inclusive. It's not inclusive of a lot of, of, a lot of sounds. Um, it's very hard to become successful in CHH because you're so boxed in. If you were to compare CHH and secular, what would you, what would you visualize? What I would visualize is CHH is a small pond and secular is the Pacific Ocean. And I'm not kidding because if you look at it objectively, secular, there are too many artists to name. Too many people to work with, too many people to listen to. But if you look at CHH, you can count on like, you could probably count on one hand, two hands maybe, maybe even four hands, I don't know, how many artists you can listen to. Mainstream-wise is what I mean, mainstream. And now that's a problem because what it's created is this bubble, this community of people where it feels like when you're looking for new music, there are people who, who will tell you what good music is. Now that's a problem because the vibe I get is you can't listen to any artist unless Reach Records tells you to. If Reach Records signs a person, you're going to get listened to by the community that supports this. And that's it. And like the people that they feature uh, that are not as big or are in secular, they're not going to, no one's going to give a crap about it. You're just a feature, but they're only focused on the Reach Records artists. And RMG is a bit different, especially because they have a lot more uh, hardcore rap style, more fast. Um, I mean, especially production um, from uh from freaking Derek Minor. Uh he's the goat for that, but I feel RMG and 4 against 5 is a bit different, but when it comes to the biggest label Reach, and this is the same thing for Rapzilla, um but for Reach, there's this mainstream sound that they're trying so 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 hard to achieve, but it's not quite there yet and it comes off disingenuous. And it's not fair. Um and I keep using the word devoid, but that's how I feel. It just devoids the music. A lot of the releases that come from Reach, um, it feels like it's copy-paste of what Lecrae was trying to build up foundation-wise. I feel like whatever worked for Lecrae uh, with the engineer that uh, mixed and mastered his albums for over the past decade... They took that sound and they just did copy-paste to any new Reach Records artist. Like 1K Few. Although 1K Few, I feel like, fit that sound a little more. A little better. Um, but then they put it onto Wande. They put it onto Holvi. They put it onto RG. They put it onto Gavi. And it doesn't work for everybody. Everybody's different. You can't do that. That's why labels need to have more than one engineer. So that multiple heads can work together to accomplish a sound that's specific to the artist and then keep that. Keep it or change it. It's up to you. But when you copy paste it like that, knowing that that system's going to work in the grand scheme of things mainstream wise, 
don't you feel that's a little disingenuous of the artist and the art that can be made the originality you know the it just it takes away from it it doesn't it doesn't feel good knowing that and i think the you know christopher this album fell victim to that i could easily point out that the sound that was coming uh from this album was very lecrae inspired the mixing and mastering came from all things work together i could easily relate it to that and when one day first got signed when she was announced she released blessed up that sound from that song copy pasted onto christopher but the entire album now i'm not roasting on this album all right i, I think hating on an album is not very good it's not very healthy of a person to just kind of do that but it's just uh i could easily point out who and where he drew inspiration from um and another subject matter of that is there are people in this industry who are very aware that a lot of christians that listen to christian hip-hop uh, are not allowed or are not interested in secular music at all. And so they've never heard anything like Post Malone or uh, or like, say, Travis Scott or like um, just these huge artists like Juice World or something like that. But then they take it and then they make music extremely similar to it, if not exactly like it. And then push it to the Christian hip-hop audience. Do you think that's going to build a long career? If these kids grow up and they start to listen to the bigger artists that these people were inspired by or copy from or mimic, who do you think is going to win? You feel me? That's, that's kind of how it is. Um, again, I'm not hating on nobody. I wish no harm on anybody, but it's sad to see knowing both sides uh, of the spectrum here, secular and CHH. It's very disappointing sometimes to just hear what comes out of CHH, knowing that they can capitalize on uh, the, not ignorance, but the naivety of a lot of Christian hip hop listeners, not knowing who they're drawing inspirations from. And whenever I can hop in and listen to an album and easily point out where this stuff's coming from, who innovated this sound first that you're doing, uh, it's disappointing because I know exactly who they're trying to go for. And it's uncomfortable to listen to because I know there's a better option to listen to. That's how I feel like the current stand, like, you know, the, uh, the current state of Christian hip hop's like. And it sucks because that's it just all comes from the mainstream. If you if you don't listen to the mainstream, you're not a CHH listener. Um, but this is why I have this platform. This is why I want to push forward um, a lot of more underground artists who actually take take creativity seriously. Uh, don't try to copy anybody, but try to um, be inspired by, but yet also produce a new sound being themselves as an artist rather than copying someone else be who you think you need to be be who god made you to be don't copy nobody else because you can't be nobody else 
that's the whole message that's what being art being an artist is standing out doing what you doing what you do and doing you best and not being nobody else like this is this is the divide we've created and it's all started with lecrae as well um and lecrae is doing a great job at trying to outsource and you know outreach because he created his own sound and people felt like followed followed along in chh that's why reach records is the way it is but he's now going towards secular artists to feature with and do more collaborations with and now the people under him in chh don't really agree with that but the bottom level of artists are so out like so out there with their sounds like limbo like judo sammy like caleb forever 717na hayes trike uh okay warren you've got yourself a bunch of people who don't like the mainstream sound and who would rather make something they want to rather than conform to what CHH wants you to listen to or become to be successful. You can make it in the industry by being yourself. It's just a matter of how much effort you want to put into it and how much drive you have to be successful. And that's, that's truly a blessing to be able to do that and make money. That's, very, that, that's a huge blessing. And I wish that for all the people who really want to be uh, successful by doing their own sound, whether it be in CHH or secular, because you can successfully do both if you wanted to. Look at Paris, Paris Cariz. Although I don't particularly listen to him anymore, I've kind of grown out of that sort of sound, but he he's a great example. Being able to cater to secular and CHH artists and uh, communities. It's very intriguing. He's a great role model for that. Same with John Keith, for instance. I mean, the guy is just lyrically talented. And he has this so, like, it's, he's a great example of being an individual, doing his own style. It's so cool. He's generated his own sound and is pulling it off well. That's what you should try to strive to be like. But with all that said, man, uh, I appreciate y'all for listening. Again, just, you know, you don't have to listen to my opinions, uh, but that's just what I feel. And I hope you can agree with me or agree to disagree. But this is what I view as the current state of CHH. And that this is my opinion on uh, Holby's debut album, Christopher. I appreciate you guys for uh, listening to the note extractions podcast i'll be back again next week um and to remind everybody that uh this is not a gonna be a constant thing i want it i wanted to start off doing every friday but my schedule has become more busy and so i'll try to make time to do more of these podcasts coming up with ideas and topics to talk about but um it won't be every friday i will try so I appreciate you all for tuning in uh, when you can. Uh, and once again, thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you all next week.